to the Skeptic Wire. Second of May, two May, May second of two thousand twelve. This is episode fifty six of the Skeptic Wire. And I am an host, Gary Lawn, and with me this week, per usual, are Greg Perrine. Hello. And Donna Swafford. I didn't do it. I swear I didn't do it. And we have special guest commentary by Jordan Clipston. Alright. And Emily Clark. Hello. Welcome. What we got? Skeptical. Sept- Septical birthdays. Relax. Birthday and birthday. All right. Uh, May 2nd, 1844. Uh, Do you know who was born today? Uh, 1844? Generally. No. The car? See, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. No? Does anybody recognize the name Elijah McCoy? Uh, wasn't he? Wasn't he? He was a hobbit. He was a hobbit. No, no, no. He was one of the Hatfield enemies, wasn't he? Oh, no. Jordan? I should really stop asking these questions. <laughs> <laughs> don't you realize we don't actually read Skeptical is he, is he from Texas? Because I went to McCoy Elementary, which was named after somebody named McCoy. I, I don't know. He was... <laughs> He was a Canadian-American inventor who was... With the name McCoy? With the name McCoy. His his family was um, basically a some escaped slaves who had gone along the uh, Underground Railroad to Canada. They settled up in Canada, his parents, and then within a c- couple of years, um, his family came back to, um, I think, the Michigan area. The reason why I'm talking about Elijah McCoy, he was a um, an inventor. He worked in the train industry, and um, be- being an African-American guy back in the 1850s, 1860s, the only job he could get was a fireman and an oiler on the trains, even though he had gone to Scotland um, when he was at age 15, he had gone there and gotten uh, he had gotten <laughs> trained as a mechanical engineer. So even though he was highly skilled, he can only get these low-skill jobs. But his experience of being an oiler on these locomotives led him to go back to his home shop and machine up these inventions. He had some 57 patents um, with the patent office thing, and a good 50 of them have to do with lubrication. (laughs) And no, I'm not talking about AdamEve.com again. (laughs) Okay. So he, you know, a different he, type of lubrication. Yes, a very, but same principle. It used to be that you had to stop an engine completely, take it off the line, lubricate it, fix it, and then start it up again. If you did that with a woman, that would not work so well. No, not so much. <laughs> or a guy, for that matter. Yes. <laughs> but his in, his inventions and other similar inventions made a lot more efficiency in the trained industry. So he was a smart guy. But the re- main reason why I'm bringing up as a, as a skeptical birthday is that um, his name has been associated with the phrase, the real McCoy. Really? Because apparently there were a lot of kind of pretender lubricating oil cups. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it's called. Um, <laughs> that, you know, and engineers who wanted the real thing would say, hey, give me the real McCoy. 
Okay. Now, the thing is, that's really not where the phrase the real McCoy came from. There are other people who have talked about, oh, it was this this boxing guy who, um, you know, he was the real McCoy, or it was the Hatfields and the McCoys, or anything like that. But, or... This 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 guy who Elijah McCoy who invented this lubricating thing. So you lied to us. No, I'm bringing this up as a skeptical topic. You smart aleck, dumbass. <laughs> Can you no, call me on. a smart ass? But no, I'm a smart aleck, dumbass. Thank exactly. You. <laughs> That's going on the next shirt, people. <laughs> The, the skeptical thing of, oh, you hear the story of, oh, well, that's where the phrase the real McCoy came from. And it actually was originally a Scottish phrase, the real McCoy. <laughs> oh, God, please don't ever do that again. Please. Or, you know, for bird lovers, the real macaw. I mean, why not? <laughs> so the reason why I bring up Elijah McCoy and the whole real McCoy story on this skeptical podcast is when you hear these stories, especially... Something that's get passed around as a meme on Facebook. Yeah. Go look it up. Don't just believe the story you've seen. But, but even looking it up doesn't, because there's a whole bunch of the uh, just so stories on right. on why things come around. And as you said, there's f- at least four different reasons why it could be a, a real McCoy. Right. So whereas I went to the real McCoy Elementary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. I'm going to go look that up. I, I, See? I have proof somewhere. That's what a skeptic should do. Okay. You can Google McCoy Elementary on that. I'm sure there's plenty of McCoy. McGoogle? McGoogle. I didn't get a lot. Ah, get on the Google. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> so thanks for that, Greg, that enlightening and uh, illuminating discussion on... The real McCoy. On the real McCoy. You're welcome. <laughs> That's not creepy at all. <laughs> Jordan! Hello. What's new with you? Don't assault him. Yeah. <laughs> I always uh, assault people. Like, who are you? You know? Well, until yesterday, really, not really anybody. You're like a you're internet phenomenon right now. Well, yeah. Um, I don't think it's fully deserved, but, um, you know, I, I really am flattered by the support and the uh, donations and... Uh, I have to mention first off, we actually we had a uh, goal of eleven hundred dollars, which we doubled the last time I checked it. We have twenty two hundred dollars in donations. Okay, and, well, um, why don't you go back and explain to our listeners who may not be familiar with your story why you were soliciting donations? Okay, uh, pretty much. Make a very long story short. I'll give you the uh, two month summarized version of it. Um, I've been dealing with this custody battle for about three years, and uh, I was waiting on these attorneys, these free attorneys and everything. And I think February, I just went to the attorney general's office and opened up a new case for um, a paternity test and for me to pay child support. They said it's going to take about eight weeks. I said, well, that's perfect. By the time we get back from the Reason Valley, we should have some sort of uh, uh, some sort of document on that. And um, Emily and I here, we saved about $800 to make it a point. We promised David Silverman, who's the uh, president of American Atheists, and in November, we went to the Texas Free Thought Convention, we promised him, yeah, don't worry, we'll make it a point to go to Reason Valley. You know, he said, yeah, Reason Valley, March 24th. And so um, we put money aside, we saved and everything. So we went to the uh, Reason Valley, and after that, um, we went to Rock Beyond Belief, because my mother, she lives about 30 miles from where 
uh, Fort Bragg is located. And so we stayed there for about a week, and we kind of made it a road trip, you know. Came back roughly about two and a half weeks later to find the notice on my door uh, to call her phone number. I called the very next morning, nine in the morning. Uh, I talked to this woman who was calling to serve me. And I'm like, well, perfect, you know, it must be about that case I opened up. I'm glad something happened. I got the, uh, you know, about 45 minutes later, 9.45, she shows up at my door, and um, she gives me these two papers. I'm very eager to sign them, whatever it is. Yeah, let me sign it. Now you're expecting that these are papers from your court case to... Uh, the the a, case I opened, yes. Right, about about your getting a custody of your child. Exactly, okay. and it was about the same time it should have happened. I think it was maybe week... Uh, it must have been seven, eight, or nine. I can't remember exactly. But I was expecting around that time to get something back from the case I opened. Um, well, of course, I, I'm about to sign it and stuff, and I kind of see these uh, you know, names. I see the word adoption, and I'm skimming through it. I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. And pretty much what, what that there's, – there's two pieces of paper or two forms uh, stapled. And the first one was uh, pretty much for me to sign away my rights as a father, saying for the my ex's new husband wanted to adopt my uh, daughter. Um, they just married, I think, late last year. And I'm like, wait uh, – I don't have science, do I? I'm and not, and then, then this was explained to you? They were no, just no, it was just put in my face. I'm reading it, and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the case I opened. I think it's a mistake here. I'm talking <laughs> to my server. Um, I don't have science, do I? Like, no, no, if you sign it, I have to take it back. If you don't, I have to take it back. I was like, well, am I am I reading this right? Is it telling me to give up my rights as a father? Is it me waiving my rights? It's like, yes, yes. And she was like, well, you have a daughter. She was being very sympathetic. Like, you have a daughter? I'm like, yeah, she's a, um, six years old. She'll be seven in October. And, um, yeah, she's like, um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that. I actually read it, you know, last night. And then uh, I looked at the other form, and the, the other one I gave her, you know. And the second form was, the first words I read is, uh, you are being sued. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I, I know. Look yeah. at the person puts this guy in front of you and just expects you to sign it. <laughs> wow. So, uh, and then so um, when I read that one, I'm like, okay, wow, I, I'm living the American dream, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm a man. Yeah, I'm officially, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. I've been sued, I've been served. I know what it's like to be Welcome an adult. Welcome to America. I, I need a briefcase and a tie, I'm ready, you know, this is what it's about. Here's your driver's license exactly. and here's your attorney. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, wow, this, this is crazy. And I was in shock for about an hour, I'm reading over it and I'm looking at what, and I, and I actually posted this, this on the site, uh, if you go on the Facebook and you look up, uh, you just type in, oh, help reunite Ariel and Jordan. Yeah, I, I, so I posted those forms there. Of course, I censored it and everything. But um, you can actually read it for yourself. This is what I read, you know. And I'm, like, trying to understand what is this? What, what are they trying to say? Not only that, but they, they also it also said on there, you have 20 days to file an answer or uh, they, they're going to win by default. I won't see my daughter until she's 18, if that. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I panicked. And I thought, oh, wow, I just came back from the Reason Valley. I've got about $300 after my rent, I paid. I paid everything on the on the way back, with April first. Um, so yeah, I just paid all my bills. I'm down like three hundred dollars. Okay. I've got to come up, you know, with a lawyer. There's no way I can do that. I've, I've been searching for an attorney for over a year. Uh, a free attorney. I've been put on all these different different type of lists. I went to St. Mary's uh, Law to get a free attorney. I've been put up and I've put on a uh, five hundred uh, person wait list. <sighs> Um, and we'll get wow. to you when we can. I've checked up. I went to Attorney General's office. Pretty much I'm waiting for a free lawyer because there's no way I can come up with a few um, hundred dollars. But I've been looking for a free lawyer for a while or a very cheap one, which I think the cheapest one I was able to find was uh, a guy who wanted to 
uh, charged me $1,200 just for a consultation. <laughs> so, um, but these forms really forced the issue. And yeah. You had to go out and I, find I, the lawyer. I, I panicked. And, um, you know, I, I looked at it and I was like, you know, I've got about, I've got about maybe $2,000 worth of items in my apartment. You know, I, I can sell my iMac. I've got a few guitars and I need these guitars to perform, but I was like, I can buy these back later on. Um, so I, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. About two or three days went by and then, um, I was kind of jokingly saying something like, oh, yeah, we should, you know, kind of uh, come up with this page, uh, you know, like, yeah, reunite Jordan Ariel. But I, I did it as in kind of a uh, out of anger kind of saying like, a, yeah, we'll, we'll put all these pictures of me and Ariel together, you know, having fun. And because you know, we're I was very heavily involved in life the first five years. OK, OK. The first two years she was living with me and the first five years I was completely active in her life. You know, I spoke with her frequently every other day, uh, visited her when I could. Um, and so I think, like, you know, we could just uh, post pictures and then send it to, uh, you know, the family, you know, the my opposition. And just kind of, like, show them, like, oh, yeah, help this. And, and then they would see all the likes and everything and the people supporting us. And it would piss them off. That was my original idea. And then Emily took I this. I think they were already pissed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get your point. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't, I wouldn't enrage them, yeah. So, so Emily, you hear the story of, you know, this almost this kind of bitterness of, like, we should do this to stick it to them. And you take this and say, you know what? Let's really do this yeah. as a real thing. Um, but a, a positive way. Yes. And I, when I started it, Jordan was kind of, uh, he didn't really want to do it because he didn't want to seem like he was begging. And I was like, come on, what, we can't have, we have nothing to lose. Um, and Jordan didn't really want to put his personal stuff on there. Sorry if I'm kind of throwing you under the bus. No, you're, you're fine. <laughs> but, um, then after I made the page, I wrote this long note to explain everything and kind of um, make it personal. And then I let Jordan pick out some pictures, and then we got a few likes. And I, I posted some of my personal belongings on the site, you know, for for your donation, uh, for $125, here's a guitar, here for $900, here's an iMac, here's a uh, recorder for $200. I, I posted a few of my personal items because like, I don't want to just ask for money. I want to give them something, you know, like they're buying yeah. something for me. But, of course, it's going. all this money is going to this cause. Um, I, I want to point out, too, the very first, uh, you know, we, we made this, you know, we got about maybe, what, 10, 15 likes. Yeah. You know, just from people, you know, personal friends list and everything. And I think uh, one of the people in the Skeptic Choir, that's been Donna, um, who uh, liked the page. And from then... Um, I went to sleep, I woke up, and I saw, oh, look, PayPal notification, $125. And, of course, um, I, I got a, a, a message saying, um, hey, I'm uh, Donna's friend. Any friend of Donna is a friend of mine. And, you know, so I, I, you know, of course, contacted him, and I brought him my guitar, my acoustic guitar, which I had since 1999. So I was like, a lot of sentimental value, but I was like, you know, a small price to pay. Here's a guitar. And he's like, I don't even play guitar, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Because now it's time to learn. Very, <laughs> very nice guy, by the way. Uh, really Clint nice. Hansen was his name. We love you, Clint. Uh, Clint is a like I've known Clint for uh, several years now. I've worked with him on several different projects. Uh, very, very giving man. So um, yes, yeah. When, when Clint donated, it didn't take much longer until a few more people donated. I remember um, um, a, a guy I met named Vic, uh, the uh, Texas Free Thought, and then of course again at the uh, reason amount he donated, and you know didn't want a gift. Um, a few other people didn't want a gift. Uh, it wasn't too much longer until Greg Perrion actually donated and uh, refused a gift also. Um, and so I was like, wow, this is actually working, you know. And so I was able to, um, you know, speak with my lawyer and tell about my finan- financial situation. I was like, well, there's no way I can come up with, 
you know, this, uh, you know $1,900, and then on, on top of that, pay my rent. There's no way I can do this, but because it was a friend that referred me. Yeah, so she was like, you know what, um, you know, come up with a 700 right now, and I'll give you, uh, you know, once you pay that, and then I'll give you to the end of the month to pay, pay the rest of it. Or, I'm sorry, once I paid to the 700, she said, I'll give you another 30 days to pay the rest of it, you know. So I, I was able to pay that, and that set me, you know, half of that was donations, the other half was my money, and then I was able to pay rent. I was like, well, this is a relief, you know. And of course, this month came along, or the month of April, uh, I'm sorry, the month of May, and then I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to do the rest of it. I've got to pay the other half. I just finished paying rent and everything, so uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And uh, it just sort of got to the right hands. I um, remember uh, talking with my friend Gary, and um, he... Uh, other Gary, not me. <laughs> yeah, I've got several Gary friends, but uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um, I, I told him about my situation, you know. And I was like, yeah, well, uh, actually, I owed him money um, for a hotel stay. And uh, I remember, Gary, you were in that hotel, too. Yes, it was a very difficult time with two Garys. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there was also another Jordan and Emily as yeah, walking yeah. around. So there's, there's four of us in a hotel. <laughs> so about the reason, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, the reason why we stayed in a hotel, and, you know, I told them I'll pay my fair share. So, so I said, yeah, we'll pay our fair share, you know, because, uh, of course, I didn't have the money at that time because I was still waiting for my income tax, and it's taking a little bit longer than it was supposed to. I was like, yeah, as soon as my income tax comes in, I'll pay you and stuff. So, of course, when I got here, I was like, well, I don't, you know, I've got to pay every bit of pen, every penny I have has to go towards the, uh, uh, you know, the legal fees. So I was like, I'm sorry, I can't get you a check to you right now. Um, as soon as I get on my feet at the end of the month, maybe I, I'm, you know, I'm actually moving out my apartment at the end of this month and staying with a friend on his living room floor until I can catch up with my bills and then we're going to, uh, hopefully get another apartment and everything. Once I get on my feet, I'll be able to pay you back. I'm sorry, I can't pay you. And then so uh, he's like, you know, don't worry about it. And like, well, what's going on and stuff? And I was like, yeah, it's just these legal fees. I showed him the page. He he, he helped me out. He posted it onto a few of the, uh, you know, these atheist uh, feeds. And uh, But before he posted it, the page had about like 40-something likes. 46 like, likes. And it was like that for about over a week. And then Gary posted it. And Gary, then Gary posted it. I saw it go to 100 within a few hours. And then about, you know, it was 150 an hour after that. And then uh, it was it went to up to about 500 likes. Were you able to see where where it started to get posting? Because I saw some things like uh, the Stiefel Free Thought Convent mm-hmm. uh, Foundation posted on their yeah. Facebook page, and and wh- wh- how did that kind of progress? I, I got inbox messages saying, "Hey, I found out about your," uh, and it wasn't an inbox to my personal account, but it was an inbox to the uh, the page. And they said, yeah, we uh, we heard about this from, uh, what was it? You remember well, some, of, some them? of them were like Sexy Atheists, um, United Atheists of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go into these sites. I was like, okay, I want to see what they're, you know, they post. Oh, cool. This is, you know, very flattering. They're posting this. And I look at them, seeing 30 shares on each one of these, you know, 31 shares. I go to another page, 45 shares. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, the people on here are, are taking this, liking it and sharing it. And uh you know, it's very flattering. And, one Nation uh, Under Nothing. One Nation Under Nothing. Nothing. That was a big one. And and one of the writers from there, he contacted me. His name's Reed. And, um, of course, that's where I did my first interview. Um, it was actually through Facebook. It's about two and a half hour. And that's the one that's up on uh, crackpotchronicle.net. Yes. yes. And um, so he did a, a very lengthy in, interview. Um, we just did over Facebook uh, chat. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good uh, about two and a half hours of just me telling my life story, you know, and how it came to where it is and everything. And, of course, he edited it down to what it was on the on the article. And, um, yeah, and after that, once he posted it, it got a lot more attention. And, actually, he, he uh, contacted me today and said something about he got 51,000 views 
on his article, and I think his usual is about fifteen hundred or a thousand. Wow. My, my details are unclear on that, but I can, you know, of course. Yeah, you when, I, when I saw that that article, I saw that that's that article really started getting picked up. Yes. Yeah, because American Athe- Atheist Alliance picked it up. Um, American Atheist Inter. Oh no. Uh, Atheist Alliance International, no. Atheist Alliance of America. <laughs> there's just there's so many A's. Peoples of Judea, yeah, the whole just, thing. For as bad as as you know, <laughs> the Christians now, thirty two thousand different atheist sects. So this, this article telling your story that is that is really kind of where it went purely viral. Yes, that I saw friends of friends who who I didn't know and who I had post you know we had all posted Skepticwire stuff about this. But um, you know that didn't really get picked up. But once that ar- that blog post got written, you had all these major organizations picking it up, mm-hmm. and uh, you know soon thereafter, you guys created a chip in widget to yes. to kind of say, well, let's keep track of where things going. And your chip in widget said that your goal was about eleven hundred dollars, and you had about two hundred fifty of that at that moment. So I, I remember going to bed saying, "Wow, I'm very glad that th- this story is getting out again, and that they've got this chip and widget to follow what's going on. I can't wait to see what it says in the morning." Oh wow! Guess what it said in the morning? What was that? Fifteen hundred. Oh, yeah. You guys had blown it away, and this made me personally feel so glad about the skeptical atheist rational community to show the outpouring of love and support. To you, Jordan, but both of you because you, Emily, and helped. to Ariel, yeah, and yeah. to Ariel, yeah, all three of you that me. that they wanted to support you and help you out. I, I'd like to kind of the, these last kind of twenty four forty eight hours. I'd like to hear kind of what how how you felt about this. What has this meant to you? Kind of uh, talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at first, at first, it was exhilarating. Like it was like, oh wow. This is really spreading very quickly, and it's. But then after after a while, it started to get almost overwhelming and kind of a little bit scary. Yeah. And just because of the loss of control and. Exactly, um, and I'm having lots of different people asking about interviews, and um, I, I'm I'm actually afraid it would. I, I don't think it will. I'd be very afraid if it went to something like CNN or something, and it was a huge story. Because to me, I don't think it needs to be that big of a story. But then I, I actually posted a uh, comment on that earlier, and some people said, "No, let it get that big, let it get you know huge." Because for the uh, sake of other fathers. Yeah, for for that sake. But I don't feel that my story is nearly comparable to most stories I've heard. Um, I think I would be more of a, a spokesperson for it, but it, I don't think that my story in particular. Which deserve that much credit, but then again, I have kind of gotten used to it. I've been dealing with it for years. To everyone else, it's brand new. So when I was feeling this anger and hatred and just helplessness, like three years ago when it all began with me, um, you know, over time it wears off. You know, you, you kind of adapt to it and you get used to it, and you even start losing hope. And I think to most of the people reading this for the first time, it's brand new to them. You know, they're angry, they're pissed off, they want me to, me to do something about it. And um, I guess I don't feel it. And I have to give Emily a lot of credit, too, because she has been with me, helping with this for, like, two years now. She's the one that got me this uh, discounted lawyer. Um, you know, she's the one that got me the connections and everything. She's been helping me a lot. I, I've ne- I wouldn't say I've given up hope, but you nearly want to feel that way. You know, you, there's nothing else you can do. Um, you know, I don't know the legal system very well. Um, 
people say, oh, just go and get a uh, pro bono lawyer. Show me where the hell I can find this pro bono lawyer. <laughs> it's a lot looking harder for two. than it's than uh, yeah. said. Or, well, yeah. what do you say to the detractors, though? Because there's a lot of people out there. There are accusations flying that, yeah. that you have not spent the time with your daughter, that you let this stuff build up and, and everything else. Um, what do you have to say to them? Because with as much good press... There are going to be, there are the skepticals. It's out always there. the naysayers, mm-hmm. yeah, especially in the atheist community. And um, I love skeptics, but um, you know, I, I want to give them as much evidence as I can that I'm legally able to give them. Um, I'm posting up forms on that page so kind of they can read it for themselves and they can come to their own conclusions. Your Facebook um, page, the Facebook page, uh, help reunite everyone. Jordan um, Facebook page. Well, um, one, I think it's very important that they read the about section of the page, the Facebook page, because that is originally what it's about. And um, not, not just the article on Crackpot. Yeah, don't, don't take any interview you see and take it that's the full story. The, the story, of course, is not that black and white. There's so many details to it. It's not even just about atheism. It's also about jealousy and, uh, you know, financial problems. And there's so much more to it. It's not that black and white. Um, the, the root of it is my atheism. That's what sparked the hatred for people who are, who are skeptical and feel like I have done nothing, until last January, uh, January of 2011, um, I was contacting all the time, visiting her when I could. And then I got an email from Samantha, the mother, uh, and she said pretty much, and, and she got married, uh, or she was going to get married, and she pretty much said, uh, yeah, go on about your life. Um, from now on, you will address me as, I can't say the last name, Mrs. My Last Name. And uh, you're not going to see Ariel. Just move on with your life. Good luck. And if you try to contact me, um, I block, I'm blocking you from Facebook. And she MySpace, said to contact her father if and you needed to talk. If to I her. need to send her any legal forms to contact her father. And, uh, you know, pretty much that was it. Uh, here's where I'm going to interject a little bit of snark here. Yeah. She's married over the age of 18, has a child, and she's still going through daddy. Yeah, there's a whole kettle of issues there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to interject that. Just Believe me, we agreed. <laughs> That's why I said her dad's willing to be the buffer, I suppose. I mean, well, from yeah, that there's, there's point. In the, uh, the Crackpot Chronicle article, there was some discussion about your interactions with her father. Yeah. And, you know, you can go read that to go on to that. Um, I'm curious, you know, this situation has really kind of gotten huge i said you know i mentioned how this morning it was at 1500 you were past your limit you were saying thank you you don't have to give anymore we appreciate you it this has been amazing yes. right before the show you guys were at 2200 that's the last time i checked before we left yes so you know I, there's obviously you guys have met your goal and then some um what are you saying to the peoples now that you have overmet that and you know what are you doing with the the extra right now and you know besides the financial part of it now that you have at least the resources to have your day in court what are you going to do to kind of pay this forward i know that's a lot of questions if you want okay. me to start over again I well, i'll start with the uh, donations um like I, I tried to stop the donations slow them down like really seriously stop giving us your money we, we're, we're fine we're good but then we've had a lot of people saying no you don't have enough, enough donations that's just paying, you know, for the retainer and for this one case. You don't know. People sometimes pay up to $10,000 in legal issues. And they're saying, like, well, if you don't use it for legal reasons, use it to take her to Disney World or use it for this. I'm like, well, 
I'm, I'm going to hold every single penny of that aside. I'm not touching one bit of it. I'm putting it into my savings account. It's not going to get touched. If it, if it is used, it might be to uh, go towards child support or um, maybe the plane ticket. The plane ticket, which um, my attorney did tell me that if we do win this case the way we want to win it, that I would have her for the entire month of July and I think about two weeks in Christmas or during Christmas um, every year. And it would be continuous uh, contact. And so, of course, I, I want to take her places. I want to, you know, even if I have to take a month off in July, you know, to, uh, you know, just to spend time with her every day or at least just do my home business and, um, you know, just, of course, uh, spend every moment I, ha- I can with her. Um, the money is completely definitely going to her. I can, you can take my word on that. Of course, skeptics, uh, I, I don't know how to offer you evidence for that. If you want to check my bank account, uh, I'll post censored versions of online too. But uh, no, seriously, I, I, I'm trying to slow down the, the donations. I'm giving gifts to everybody who donates after that point, you know. And even that I'm backed up on. Um, I've got like at least 30 to get out this week. Uh, you know, lighters, zippos, and uh, of course, zippo lighters and uh, pendants and everything. Um, people have been very generous too. Um, but, uh, that's what I have to say about the, what I'm going to do with the donations. And if anything, too, maybe even set up a college fund for her or a savings account for her. Um, 100% of the donations will be going to Apple in some way. Well, that's, I think that's a very important thing that you have emphasized, that you're asking. You don't have to give any more. You know, that's something that says something to your character, saying, I'm not just going to take money on this and what money you have gotten in this, that you are you know, making the solemn promise on the Flying Spaghetti Monster that you will use this money either in the legal fees or in you know, supporting your daughter, and that's a very important and very good thing for, that you are doing. And I guess now you can talk about the what next. Well, I, I, actually, I have one more question. Yes. When was the last time you saw your daughter? Um, physically, it was, I have to say, August. August of 2009. And when was the last time you had contact with her? Uh, January of 2011. Okay. And it was right after she received her Christmas presents, and um, she was telling me thank you for all of the, uh, you know, the presents and everything. And she was telling me about what was going on in Hannah Montana. And, <laughs> you know, um, and I, I remember on? that conversation. I think I, and I recorded a lot of our conversations. Um, I was even thinking about posting some of those, you know, um, on the site, the ones that I feel it wouldn't give any uh, personal information. Yeah, personal information away. Um, post some of those just so people can see that it, it's – and I, I didn't videotape these conversations um, – to show, hey, look, I'm talking about it. It was for her. This was for her, so she could know that we were in contact in case that the fact that um, we haven't, we don't contact each other again until she's 18. Um, if she ever came back to me in the future, I would say, look, you know, I, I, here's, I called you all the time, I contact you all the time, and I even make video blogs. Like, I haven't done them as much as I used to. I used to do them every week. Now it's like once a month, maybe twice a month. Um, but I just look into the camera and I talk to her directly. And one day, of course, I'm going to put a DVD together, you know, a few DVDs. And it's just going to be me talking to her. She's going to watch these and see that I didn't just, you know, leave her life. I've did everything I could uh, legally to contact her and have any sort of association with her. So I'm, I'm doing this, of course, just for Ariel. I didn't want to make this public or anything, but I think people want to see this type of thing now after creating this. Well, because there have been a, recently, I mean, there have been a spate of, of cases in the news of uh, uh, recently there was a... Um, the guy that went down to South America and brought his son back. Um, there's a, a, a man who's been trying to go to Japan and get his children back. Um, I think this is really kind of the first time that we're really hearing about it in the skeptical community. I mean, out and about. 
Not and, just, and, and in this context, especially it goes since it's going back to, uh, like you said, the the current husband is a fundamentalist, and that, and so. Well, no, no, actually, it's not the it's not the the husband. Um, it's not the, uh, the, the father. It's the father of the grandfather. Grandpa. Grandpa. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I misunderstood. I tried to do everything I could to send the child support. I, we set up, we opened cases for child support, and she closed them because of the fear of her father finding out and uh, uh, knowing mm-hmm. I can have joint custody. Um, it's really, it's more of a battle between me and Samantha's father than it is me and Samantha. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it comes down to. And he has this hatred for me. But her allegiance is with her father, so you're... Yes, and she, he dictates everything she does and how she lives, what she does with her life. That makes sense from the from the mindset that we know from the fundamentalist mindset. Right. So. Yeah. So, like you said, Sadly. we asked you, you, obviously, I mean, you, you're trying not to take any more donations as it is right now. Or at least, you know, pay it forward. What are your future goals with this? I mean, because this will be over in six months, a year, two years. Yeah. What are your future? I mean, because this has fundamentally changed your life. Yes. I feel like uh, the thing is, I'm not just a poor guy asking for money. I'm good with my money. I make a you know decent income. You know, this was just an unexpected uh, thing that came up, which I wasn't prepared for. Um, I wasn't ready to you know pay the $1,900 out of nowhere. You know. It, if I would have known about it ahead of time, of course, I could have come up with the money. It was just, it was, it was an emergency to me. Um, so, um, of course, once I get on my feet, I, I would like to, I hope to be able to get a two-bedroom apartment and have not just joint custody, but even full custody. I don't think, one of the things that bothers me the most is that knowing that she's growing up in a family where they're like this, they're like children. Um, but what organizations would you want to start as well? Um, I guess... It does make me want to become an activist and, you know, of course, uh, parental custody rights. Um, I've heard so many stories from different people writing me on the comment section uh, saying about how some of them, have, of course, haven't seen their son for 15 years. Their son's now 20, you know, haven't seen him since he was five. Too many stories, too many stories. That are, they're a lot more unfortunate than I am. And uh, I, I was hoping to be able to do something about this, say, like, create a website where, you know, it's kind of a lost and found for uh, parents and children, you know, of like uh, a son is looking for his father who or mother even um, and doesn't know much about him, doesn't know his name because the mother or the father who he's living with uh, neglected to tell him. And he just basically puts in some loose information like, say, uh, the town he was born in, his date of birth, you know, any sort of information that would link him to that possible uh, father and vice versa, you know, even for the father to look for a son. You know the day of his birth, you know, you know all this information about him. You don't have all the information because I remember the guy who wrote me said he doesn't know his son's last name, so he, he can't find him. He doesn't know where he's living. But if you knew the date of birth, you could at least narrow it down to a few hundred and then, oh, let me, okay, say his name's Gary. We don't know his, la- his last name, but we know he was born on this day in this town, you know. Then that brings you down to maybe about 15 people, 15 other Garys that were born in San Antonio, Texas on that date. So um, is there something you'd like to tell us? I wasn't born in San Antonio. (laughs) (laughs) Are you missing your father? No, he's up in Dallas. I'm good. Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you, though. I mean, of course, I'm not... uh, I I wouldn't know how to put this together myself. I would like to get help. I would like to definitely um, start something like this up. Um, Are you more interested in, like, just starting up a website to try and link people, or are you looking to to go, like, a full 501c3 nonprofit... Um, well, not, that would just be one of the ideas I would like to do. I, of course, I want, I want to be an activist in uh, these type of cases where uh, 
fathers, it's, it's usually fathers in, in states like Louisiana, where Texas, they, they, yeah, even Texas, yeah, where they they side with the mother, and you have to be the mother has to be a crackhead whore, you know, with <laughs> not needles. necessarily just that. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you have to be extreme for the father to get rights, and um, of course, I I read that story about the man in Indiana. And I think it was titled "Agnostic Father Wins Custody of His Children." And why is that even a headline in 2012? Why is that even an issue? I can't fathom it. I can't uh, get it on my head. What would be the the best outcome for Ariel? I want to not only spend all my time with her, but show her the love for that people have for her. You know, um, she's going to be seven in October, and I, I want her to just feel that love, and I want to know that she has an entire other side of her family. My family, you know, my my grandparents. My yeah, she's got grandparents. She's got a uh, people who are sending her gifts for Christmas and her birthday, sending them to my address, and I have to hold on to them and I can't do anything about it. She's being neglected not just from me, but an entire huge family on my side. Um, she would double the size of her family, and there's so many people that love. Her. I want her to see it and feel it. I want her to know that there are other people that mm-hmm. want Ariel in their lives. Right. You don't want to just necessarily take her away from her mother. No. You want to make sure that she has the full support of her entire family. Exactly. And the thing is, I couldn't take her away from her mother. I think that's disgusting. I, I could not... Be it, that cold. Yeah, I couldn't be that cold. Um, you know, I, I visited her in San Diego, and I think somehow it was, of course, in the time of MySpace. Um, I posted a picture, you know, and it could have been one of the pictures you see on that site. Um, of just me and Ariel having fun together. The parents somehow saw that picture and they went crazy because, of course, I wasn't even allowed to visit Ariel in San Diego, according to the father. And um, that's pretty much why I had to persuade her to go to San Diego in the first place because even though she was living here in San Antonio, um, I couldn't visit my own daughter just down the street. Uh, and Samantha couldn't bring Ariel to visit me in my apartment. Because she was here about yeah. six, six or eight months ago. She, she was actually we're, here in San Antonio. We're pretty sure she was living here in San Antonio. For a while, while her husband was going through basic training. And um, there was nothing I could have done. I didn't find out I even had rights until I got served with these papers. Because it said, you have to give up your rights for... Wait a minute, I have to give up my rights? What rights? I, I didn't know I had rights. They convinced me I didn't have rights because, oh, you're not on the birth certificate? You don't have rights. I don't know the... United States legal system. I don't know how it works. I figured, you know, it's like, well, I don't know the law, so... And I did talk to many people, and they said, oh, wait, you're on a birth certificate? Yeah, you don't have any rights. Hmm. I was like, well, how do I get those rights? Oh, you have to get a signed birth certificate. Okay, I've tried that. She's not going to. Now what? I've been getting the runaround for years, and, um, of course, this case kind of amped me up to be able to go full force with it and actually get something done finally. It's a hell of a catalyst. <laughs> <laughs> So you've raised the money, you've, you're working to, to get shared custody back and see your daughter. And um, so the, the court date has been moved to the end of May now? May 31st, yes. Okay. And uh, we wish you all the best. We're yeah. incredibly happy to see that you guys have met the financial goal and seen this great outpouring of support and love from the entire atheist skeptic community. Um, so we wish you all the luck in court. And just anything more you'd like to say to anybody who's given and might be listening? We've got a good case. I've got lots and lots of evidence. We're going to be all right. And I think I have to thank every single person that donated, even the people who are supporting. Thank I you. Tell people, I tell people all the time, 
the donations, they, they go to my attorney, you know, or they're going to Ariel. Their support goes to me and, of course, Emily. Um, so even the support, just liking the page is enough for me, you know. Um, Ariel's going to see this page one day, you know. Um, I'm taking uh, screenshots and saving it for her and putting it in the video blogs I'm making for her. So. Yeah, I believe the page has about 3,000 likes. Over 3,000 likes. When we left. Yeah, I'm very grateful. Very... 3,085. Wow. wow. <laughs> Shit, so. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to express how thankful no, we are. I, I'm still numb from it. Because like this is life-changing. Yeah, so life-altering, <laughs> yes. I mean, um, yeah, I just have to say thank you greatly to everybody who's donated and supported the page and the nice comments, even the negative comments, the skeptics that say whoever's donating is you're, you're suckers and it's a scam. Yeah, because that was when I first shared your your page. People, I, I, I had several people ask me, "Do you actually know this guy? Is it legitimate?" It seems like a scam, yeah. right? And you know, I had to say, you know, look, he stepped in for me because you have you stepped yes. in for me here at the Skeptic Wire a couple of times. So I, like I said, I had no problem sharing it. Um, but I, I do understand people's skepticism I, 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 regarding so it. I, yeah. I would be one of them, actually, myself. <laughs> Probably not one of the trolls that, you know, oh, yeah, you can call me a shithead, but, uh, yeah, I think this guy's a piece of shit deadbeat dad. You know, I'm like, all right. Well, the thing is, I, I would love to, anyone that thinks there's holes in the story, contact me directly. I, I want to do as many interviews as I can to get as much information as I can about this entire thing. It's not completely about atheism, but of course, like I said before, the root of it is because I'm an atheist. They don't like me because I'm an atheist. And all the other stuff comes with it, you know. No. If I wasn't an atheist, I would still see, see my daughter. You know, I'd be on the birth certificate. There's so much that would be completely different right now. Um, so, of course, I'm not going to say, oh, because I'm an atheist, woe is me, you know, uh, you know, being mistreated and discriminated. It's not just that, but it, it does play a major part. All right, well, we wish you the best of luck, and we'll, we will share whatever information we Yeah, find. obviously, because we've been promoting your, your cause on the Skeptic Wire. Yeah. Give Do more what updates. we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. We're just a little podcast, but we're trying. Oh, yeah. All right, so <laughs> um, where are we going from here? Uh, here's an interesting uh, idea, because we, we had talked about um, in, in the previous thing with, with Jordan, uh, who's still sitting here. But I'm going to talk about him in the you know, third person. Uh, <laughs> Emily, I won't. <laughs> well, as long as you don't start talking to your, about yourself as the third person. Though. Well, this is the way Gary rolls. There's been a lot of talk about many different Garys, so he's got to refer to himself. Yes. G-O. Um, apparently, there was a study. So in this week's issue of Science, they uh, are publishing a, an article how these um, scientists at the think the... University of British Columbia, so some dirty Canadians came up with this. Um, I don't know why I went there. Okay. I was about to say, you don't know that they're dirty Canadians. I'm sure they wash their hands often. Canadians are clean. Well, they're nice until you give them a hockey stick, then they're murderers. Well, that's hockey. That's Yeah. So can't pass judgment on that. what they did is uh, these scientists um, at the <laughs> University of British Columbia, first they ran an experiment where they had raided people's religiosity and just gave them kind of surveys on stuff on how religious they were right. and then gave them a critical thinking problem. And long story short, they found that people who had scored low religiously did better on the critical thinking question. They didn't just mm. work on their gut. They did a few other experiments where they primed the experimentee 
with images or words or um, just a thinking task that was associated with critical thinking. So you you saw an image of the thinker or you saw an image of just a discus thrower statue. Or you were given very fine print to read where you had to use your brain to figure out what was going on. Or you just had a regular text saying the same thing. So you're primed to think critically. And they showed that in most of these cases, after the experiment, these people scored re- lower on a religiosity scale of, you know, how well you believe with, you know, angels and God and how often you agree with religion and all those sort of questions. So the main thing that the story showed was that there's there's two types of thinking. There's gut thinking, intuitive thinking, and then there's critical thinking, kind of reasoning thinking. And that reasoning thinking can impede religious gut feeling thoughts, at least temporarily. Now, a lot of this has gone around on the blogosphere and shared around on Facebook as... Ha ha, look at those stupid Christians. But that's not what it's saying. Yeah, well, I mean, we know that there's a difference between gut and intuitive thinking and and the logical thinking. So what they're saying is that the religi- religiosity is primarily primarily associated with with intuitive thinking. Correct. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it means less religiosity. What it means is that, from what your description is, when you start thinking critically, the the intuition gets pushed down. Is inhibited, yes. Right. Which then affects your religiosity. Yes. Okay. As opposed but they also showed that people who are already low on the religious scale are higher critical thinkers. So there was a causation, uh, there was a correlation there, but they showed in the other experiments that if you prime someone to think critically, it has a causation effect on their intuitive thinking, their religious thinking. Mm. And you know, it, and as the the author said, it's it's really they only showed that there's a temporary effect, but you know they did hypothesize that the more you're exposed to critical thinking, the the more that will affect your religious thinking in the lo- in the long run. Well, you start rationalizing using uh, logic your religious belief. Right. So you, pl- you start. There are plenty of people who make the emotional decision to be religious and then use their logic to protect that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know many people personally. Well, it's not just religion. There are many other ideologies that sure. that works with. Yeah, almost in well, what what I was thinking about the the whole intuitive thinking versus critical thinking is not necessarily just that the more you cr- get into critical thinking, the less likely you'll use your gut feeling and go with the religious, but they kind of will inform each other and be this kind of feedback loop. That's what I think about my personal journey out of religion, where you know I would see stories on PBS about you know, human biology or science or geology, and that would get me thinking. And then I would hear stories at church about 6,000 years ago, a flood happening or something like that, and that would affect my gut intuitive feeling of something's not right there. And then that would inform critical thinking of, well, you know, what is the proof behind each one? And then because a lot of people who come out of atheism – tend to pretend that they can talk anybody else out of atheism, out of religion, intellectually, but you really ha- also have to hit that intuitive gut level of, does this really make sense to you? 
But okay. nobody disagrees with me. They're all quiet. <laughs> no, we're 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 framing our response. <laughs> <laughs> like like you said, okay, six thousand years ago, like, not all churches obviously have that thing. True. But the other thing is, the more knowledge you have that you trust will also inform your intuitive and and your critical thinking. Right. So if you didn't have the knowledge of, say, science uh, <clears throat> has shown and currently believes the universe and the world to be you know, 4.2 billion years old, um, you would have no pedestal on which to stand. You wouldn't even necessarily even think that, to think that this fact being uh, or something. This oh, yeah, they, they inform back and forth. Yeah. And that's unfortunately why we're dealing in Texas with hyper-conservative, hyper-religious Texas State Board of Education people Trying to say, let's only talk, you know, let's push creationism as much as possible because we don't want these kids to be exposed to these other scientific, rational, critical thinking ideas because... Because they might get ideas. Exactly. Well, yeah, well, I mean, even Rick Rick Santorum was saying, don't send your kids to college because it's turning them into, you know, non-religious people, or at least not Uh, my kind of religious people. We had our, the chairman of our state board of education saying you can't trust the experts. Come on. I know. The irony there is just, and you're an expert. Oh, he's not. No, we can not. trust him. <laughs> uh, this kind of leads into another thing that happened this, this past week, which had to do with Dan Savage speaking at a high school. He was uh, Dan Savage was a keynote speaker at the National Scholastic Press Association and Journalism Education Association's convention. And, um, you know, he, it was, you know, this room of some 3,000 or so students, young journalists in Seattle. Okay, so it wasn't just high school, it was high school and college and, and uh, scholastic. So. Yeah, it was, it was aimed ma- mainly at high school, younger kids who might want to get into journalism. Ah. And, um, so there's lots of different talks about journalism, and I think the theme of the whole thing was kind of journalism on the edge, where, you're not just dealing with safe things. And unfortunately, once Dan Savage went into something that was not safe, apparently a... What does Dan Savage talk about that is safe? Other than safe words. Safe sex. <laughs> okay, safe sex. Right, but his journalism in general is... Provocative. De- absolutely. It's, it's on the fringe of what is considered uh, moral, ethical, and proper to a lot of... Uh, society because he talks about sex his conversations though are are held as abominable by a majority of the people because he's gay let's let's just cut that out right now he's you know he's gay Dan he savage about, is gay yes and he so looks like a such lot, a sweet man <laughs> and there are a lot of people who just for that fact alone think that he doesn't have anything worthy of saying well okay that that's true but Let's say you didn't know he was gay. If you just read his column, I mean, it's not like not like he's that little uh, short lady that used to do sex. Dr. Dr. Ruth. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> she was just as straightforward and honest about sex as Dan Savage is. Right, except Dan Savage happens to be more on the gay side of things. Sure. I think that Dan Savage is just a little more plain spoken about it. Yeah. I think we're kind of going off the rails here yeah. a bit. 
Um, yeah. So, but, but the, okay, the, the point, Dan Savage is, he's not in mainstream media. He's on the side and he talks about things that aren't supposed to be talked people, about in proper society. That so a lot that of people are uncomfortable talking about. Yes. So that puts him as... At the edge. At the edge. Okay. And he had asked the the... The people who were running this conference, do you need, need me to moderate anything, hold anything back? And said, and they actually told him, no, be yourself. We want you here to do what you do to show these kids that there's lots to journalism. I mean, I'm reading more into that. They, the, the quote I found was, be yourself, do what you do. But obviously he's being at this conference to say there's all these points of view. Yes. And he gave a good hour-long keynote speech, and for a few minutes in this, he went off on this couple-minute tangent about the Bible and how the Bible will be – people will use the Bible as an excuse to say gay people are bad because of Leviticus, because of uh, Timothy. The the Bible is used to inform a a whole lot of of the population on – a lot of different things. Right. right? Yes. There's people that will ask the Bible a question like the magic eight ball and whatever they're and open it up and whatever the their finger is, falls is on. The problem is that, and as he succinctly put, a majority of people cherry pick yes. the rules that they follow within the Bible. Yeah. Right. Because and then, I'm, we've, I'm, we've I'm counting about at one. least one person here who's probably mixed her, her, her fabrics Probably somebody around here who's had shellfish in the past week. I eat bacon. Do you eat bacon? You know. I shave my beard and my head and my mustache and my ear hair. (laughs) A little too far there. Just a little too far. And we thank you for that. I was going to use it as a comb over, but you know. So Dan Savage really calls out the, the, the Bible and people are saying, you know, gayness is bad because it's in the Bible, but... We ignore, and he uses the word bullshit in the Bible about shellfish, about slavery, and then he goes into, um, really hammers hard on the idea that slavery is something the Bible has gotten wrong, is very clear on its opinion on slavery, and we can ignore that in the Bible, we can get beyond the gay issue. And, right. and that the, was his point, is he was comparing the slavery to the whole Leviticus, Romans, Deuteronomy thing. Yes. Okay. And unfortunately, what I just said in explaining his point is a lot more a lot more than a lot of the coverage has been about this issue. Because in talking about the Bible, he used the word bullshit. And then some a couple dozen students, it's hard to really tell, and apparently some advisors as well, walked out on him. And it, we'll talk more about the walkout itself, but then in criticizing the people who had walked out, he, you know, he basically said, um, it's, it's funny how, uh, that some people who are on the receiving end of beatings that are justified by the Bible, how pansy ass some people react when being pushed back. He basically said that the walkout was a pansy ass reaction. Right. To him criticizing the Bible and the ideas from the Bible. But again, everything's always been focused on, he said bullshit, he said pansy And at most they say he talked bad about the Bible. They didn't talk about what no, he said. What, no, they're not saying, okay, they're saying talking bad about the Bible, but I, a lot of the stuff that I read were saying that he was attacking Christians. Yes. They, well, they, that's the yeah, spin. They went way beyond, well, okay, especially the... Conservatives, but there are plenty of liberals who are attacking him for going too far, 
it's, it's almost the tone argument of, you know, you're being a dick to these Christians. Right. Well, and the other, but the, the other reason is because he did the um, It Gets Better campaign and anti-bully campaign. And so they're saying, and I think they were partially, they do have a point uh, that he was bullying the people as they were leaving. Now, these kids were supposed to be, and advisors were supposed to be journalists. Right. And journalists can't always cover the little happy little puppy uh, gets saved from the, the tree. They're going to be confronted with things that they are uncomfortable with. Right. Yeah. And they're going to have to learn to deal. Right. In addition, if you actually watch the video, and I have two points about the video that has been posted about it. One is that video was on some sort of stand or tripod because that video is freaking still. Somebody planned to put that video right where it was because it's a clear shot of him. It's a clear shot of everybody walking out. Well, it's, and it's still. It's not. It's not somebody's phone video. Right, uh, but that doesn't mean that 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 particular one was planned because they could have just had a. It, some guy has a tripod. I mean, if they were allowed to film and they knew they could film, why why would you not film okay. it? I, I don't have a problem with that. But go ahead. The other are, side are of that you is, is that it might be ulterior motives in that someone kind set of this like up? right, kind of like the 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 post office singers. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In addition. People were leaving before he said anything controversial. People were getting up, walking out. Well, no, because when he started talking about the Bible is when they started getting up, right? No, they start. there's a couple of people that start leaving before. Hmm. I've, I've heard some people suggest that maybe this walkout was pre-planned, like... Oh, maybe it's just the first time he says the word Bible. Well, it, it could well be. Yeah. I, I mean, these were, as far as we can tell, Christian kids. We don't we don't know that they're all Christians. We can't tell. You can't tell by looking at a kid if he or she is Christian. Unless they're wearing I, I, a big I, I retract. I retract that. I'll they just... probably were. Yeah. Maybe one or two people had to go to the bathroom. Well, the good majority of them didn't look particularly pissed about walking out. No, they, they, <laughs> there were a lot of people who were kind of looking down, kind of, you know, just kind of not really kind of looking ho- uh, hoity-toity and proud and like, I'm walking out on this bigot asshole. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of strutting going It's more on. like, let's, let's leave. Hey, my friends are leaving. We can leave? Cool. Let's get out. And... <laughs> Nam and Focus on the Family have already already issued a lot of their, their press statements, and they're actually calling now for President Obama to denounce the It Gets Better project. Oh, yeah, guilt by association. <laughs> yeah. And they've already got their pre-printed letter set up. There's well, a- they've been, Focus on the Family and those kind of groups really are the ones that are pro- saying, you know, how dare you have this profanity-laced Rant on the Bible, bashing Christianity. They they well, they're consistent. About profanity laced, right? Laced. It has three uses of the word bullshit. That's not profanity laced. They hear more at their lunch. It doesn't round. matter. Yeah. It's it's it, it, it wasn't. It, it was a bit of a rant, but it's something that he has said before, and the content of the argument is actually ignored. And he wasn't bashing Christianity. He was 
Well, okay, that's even a question. He was bashing the ideas presented in the Bible, right, which, which is, is identified and, with Christianity, which means you're bashing Christians. Right. Where is that line? Well, right, and that's where the the argument lies, and we can't we can't make that distinction because we don't give a damn about the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that he has apologized for some of it. He has apologized for how he said it, but not yes. what he, he said. He apologized for the pansy ass comments, and he but. This is the quote. I didn't call anyone's religion bullshit. I did say that there is bullshit, untrue words or ideas in the Bible. Right. And and that's that's the whole, the thing when you attack the ideas presented, you are attacking the Bible. But it's it's kind of like the the whole Dawkins debate where he attacks the ideas. Well, almost anybody Hitchens, they're always attacking the ideas, but the people who whose ideas are being attacked look at it as if it is an attack upon them, because they hold the ideas. If they hold the ideas uh, closely enough, it is part of the person, and therefore therefore you are attacking them. I I understand that they are wrong, (laughs) uh, but there's no way you can get around that, period. Uh, Hold on. Do you guys need to leave? No. Okay. I was just telling you to uh, say something. Oh, please if you join have, in. If you have something to to add, please feel free. Yeah, we, More we, than we, we've learned how to shut up over each other. So, <laughs> well, kind of. Maybe. Well, <laughs> sorry, I haven't. Oh. All right, come back in. In uh, that's that's the, the the problem. Anytime you attack um, an idea, you're attacking the person. Not literally, but you you are right. attacking a part of that person, and and that's why it, certainly in science when the debates get very very heated and they can get up to yelling, you know. And I've had it in engineering because you're not attacking the person, you're attacking the idea, and they think their their idea is right. They've spent well, three okay. years developing this thing, and how is that any different than a Christian who says hate the sin but love the sinner? It's not. It's not. So, yeah, that's hate a, the beliefs, love the believer. <laughs> it, it's a very condescending thing to say because a lot of the, the yeah, conservatives guess, so, hate hate the stupidity, love the stupid. No, wait, no. hate the stupid, love the stu- uh, something like that. Well, all I have to say about that is, you know what? Let's call them out on their passive aggressive bullshit. If they get to say hate the sin but love the sinner, guess what? Somebody calls them out on their their Bible's bullshit. They need to address the argument, not just attack the person. Unfortunately, they they can't. They can't argue the fact that the Bible says slavery is good, and that the the, the Bible says homosexuality well, they're, they're is trying. bad. But I mean, we're we're getting off the rails. But they're they're trying to say that because uh, it's, you know slavery wasn't like slavery was in the South. It was more like indentured servitude, except for the whole nail through the ear thing, and not being able to leave. Never mind. It sounds very personal. Well, no, <laughs> I, I'm just saying the the arguments that I've heard. It's like, oh, and I've I've heard it directly said to me when I was talking about the exact same thing that Dan Savage was yeah. about the slavery in the Bible. It's like, oh, well, slavery wasn't the same as it is now. It's like, but yes, it was. Slavery in the Bible was used a hundred plus hundred fifty years ago to say we should keep slavery in the United States and not have this Right, know, but see, that was a different kind of slavery. It was That's the point. Yes. But that different kind of... It was just of, work without getting 
paid or the ability to leave. That different kind of slavery was used to justify this different kind of slavery. Mm, maybe we should have had them build pyramids rather than pick cotton. <laughs> <laughs> Would that have been okay? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hell. Going back to the whole bullying thing, you've got Dan Savage, who, yes, he's in that position of authority at that moment, but he was basically saying these ideas in the Bible, that it's hypocrisy, and that we don't have to stand for this, we don't have to follow these old ideas. He was not picking out someone from the audience and saying, you, there, you are a bully, you know, you are the kind of person who hates gays. He was not picking out an individual well, and no, bullying but he was them. Well, not an individual, but he was picking out the people who were leaving. I think, I think it would have served him in better stead not to have said anything about the people leaving. And that's kind of what I was expecting, was that he was just going to blow on through <laughs> the whole uh, people leaving... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going, <laughs> uh, and just ignore it. Maybe and I the think, censors won't notice. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what he uh, should he should have done. done. And now, granted, that's hindsight twenty twenty. These second guessing. Uh, maybe in the future, that's what he'll do. But I think it would have proven his point because when he did point it out and then said it was pansy ass. Of course, like you said, he wasn't calling the people pansy ass. He was saying that the actions were. But again, it was an off the cough, cuff comment yeah. that just kind of didn't quite yep. land. You see, and we, we all know how, how much trouble off he the still cuff could have called out the walkouters and saying, "See what happens when people who when people are uncomfortable with the ideas." Or, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have mattered. I think if he if he. Since he, if you would have said anything about the people walking out, they would consider it bullying because he's calling them out on their actions. Sorry, he's calling attention to them. I, but I, the, the, I, I think anything he said about anybody walking out will have been construed as bullying because he's he's drawing attention to them, and they, you know, they just wanted to make their point and expect that he would feel bad about it. And show their negativity. You know what I'm saying? Am I well, making my point clear? I, I I think there is a way he could have called attention to it, besides the fact that everybody saw it happen, without bringing yeah. criticism on himself. But I don't know how that would work. Right, because... I don't speak good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he probably could have used better language than pansy asked. Okay, let's... Besides that... Right. Gary but was here's arguing the thing, that... I, I, you know what? I disagree because you're talking about bullying uh, people saying, he didn't say that they were bad. He didn't say they were mean. He didn't say they were hateful. He didn't say they were going to hell. He didn't say they were going to die of AIDS at the age of 42 or anything like that. What he said is. I, I, I know what he said, but my point is that there was nothing he could have said about the people walking out in reference to the people walking out without being construed as bullying. Be- because I, I think he would have been accused of bullying even if he didn't cu- say anything about the walkouters at all because oh, he was talking about the Bible. He was talking about the Bible, right. Yeah. Okay, and that's... That would have been turned on. That's Bible, also right? bullying because he's, again, attacking their ideas. You attack the idea, the the Christians have it ingrained in them, that mm-hmm. that is 
part of who they are. And therefore, if you make fun of that, you're making fun of them. It's bullying. And, and religion is used to having a free pass. Right. Not being questioned. And there's uh, Greta Christina just wrote a really good article on Alternate about kind of confronting this idea of why is it that religion gets a free pass? So that sh- that is reading good. Go do your homework, people. Go read that. And this kind of thinking kind of goes directly towards, like, the blasphemy laws. Because now you can't attack the ideas that are bad because someone's saying that they're a religious belief and that they're, they're closely held. And if they're a religious belief... That's bullying, that's blasphemy, and you can't, you can't discuss it. And that, that brings it out of the realm of discussion. You just have to accept. Now, what that means is that if Jesus comes back and says you got it all wrong, you can't change the religion because now, you know, Jesus <laughs> is going to show up. You've got a cult leader here and all the rest of the established religions, and he's saying that all of these established religions are wrong. <laughs> Assuming they are wrong, of course, they could be perfectly right, and you'll be happily, you know, uh, welcomed with open arms. Um, we're right. just getting into speculation now. But right. the point is... I, you, I like your idea that even Jesus, if he or she came back to Earth and said, this is how it is, look, miracle, 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 I've proven myself as supernatural, but all those people over there, they got it all wrong, even Jesus would be accused of blasphemy yeah and yeah and and what that means is uh, now is what the religious people are saying with the blasphemy laws and once we've 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 shifted blasphemy laws and reaction to criticism like what dan savage and what they're saying is well okay we've we are the only religions you know scientology obviously has a pretty bad rap mainly because they deserve the bad rap but you can't Allow a new religion. Mormonism having going through the growing pains of of being the new religion on the block, you know. But we're at a point where now you can't have a new religion at all, <laughs> right? That's a good point. <laughs> which which is great, but if if the religions keep on evolving as they are, I mean, you're getting the fundamentalists and the evangelicals, and then the Unitarians, and the, well, the Jews haven't changed in hundreds of years. Uh, there there are plenty of the secular Jews that has really just started in the last couple hundred years. So. And, and like if the Muslims ever had their Reformation, they're not even allowed to talk about having a Reformation with the blasphemy laws. But you go. You can't say don't stone that woman for having sex because because you're wrong. It's like oh no 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 you're attacking me. What I just find funny is is that apparently everybody needs to protect God from the atheists. You know because us saying he doesn't exist apparently really upsets him, and all of these Christians feel that need to defend this omniscient omnipotent. All powerful, all knowing, strike you down with lightning, burning bush sort of guy. You know, I, I kind of think that he can defend himself if he existed. And unfortunately, their faith is so fragile that you know one gay guy on a stage can ruin their whole day and their whole religion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think um, yeah, we'll just stop maybe there and maybe go um, on. Maybe. Good. The lightning round! Lightning round! Lightning round! Lightning round! 
All right. Uh, we, our brains are always so full of many, many different stories that our brains might explode as the week goes by. So we exude some of those stories onto our Facebook page, skeptic, uh, facebook.com slash skepticwire, to get some of those ideas out. But sometimes that's just not enough. And also, we talk so long for the rest of the podcast, and I'm talking a lot right now, that we just need to get other stuff out and We have a thing called the stuff. lightning round, where we talk <laughs> yes. for 90 seconds Second. on a topic. Uh, each of us choose two topics, and then we move on. And we have a little dinger. What he said. So first this week, we're going to start off with Gary. Me! Okay. Uh, Apparently not. Joke! A joke to hijack plane, kill Obama, gets a Utah man in trouble. This is a critical thinking fail, I think. Um, Now, we we all know that TSA does not have a sense of humor. Uh, And apparently a friend of a traveler put a note inside the guy's travel case, and it said, one, hijack plane, two, kill Obama. And so the guy got questioned and slightly arrested, and that had to get an attorney. Slightly arrested. (laughs) Define slightly arrested. Just keep going. Just one handcuff. Okay, he told the FBI and Secret Service agents that the note was intended as a practical joke, his friend. So the friend got arrested for... uh, or, or at least looked up. Okay, and I'm thinking, who writes a note that says, one, hijack plane, two, kill Obama? As if he has to remember that that's his mission. In that order. Uh, yeah, in that order. I know. I just, it's like, okay, you're going through the thing, and then, you, oh, I have to remember, what are my orders? Oh, hijack plane. It's a good thing I wrote it down. <laughs> and it's just stupid. Just plain fucking stupid. You know, it, or I guess what, some sort of secret organization and they, they, they don't know that that's what their, their cause is. I know, we're going to kill a bot. It's just stupid. And I, I think that they should be highly embarrassed for even, uh, following through on that. A waste of taxpayer money. That one. Yes, so Gary's going on the no-fly list. Donna! <laughs> well, you know, last week we did talk about problems with forensics. I wanted to share a, a great little story out of England about how forensics have helped an author. Now, she didn't go to the cops to help her with her novel, you know, to give her the procedural stuff. She's blind, and she was handwriting her novel and didn't know that her... She did not know that her pen lacked ink. And so the first 26 pages of her novel were not actually written down. Now, the police basically took these sheets and using um, uh, light technology and looking at the indentations, actually were able to recreate the entire 26 pages of her novel that she had lost. That is awesome. Very awesome. So, I mean, this is once again, you know, forensics, not just to put you in prison, saving a novel. (laughs) Awesome. Is it a good novel? Um, the police actually said that they were um, very happy with it. They couldn't wait to, to finish reading it. Um, so, um, And she has volunteers now who are volunteering to type it for her so that <laughs> this does not repeat itself. Well, that's cool. So is she going to take up uh, typing then, one wonders? How would she know? I mean, it's kind of... Yeah. How would she know the computer's even on? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why volunteers. <laughs> Tablet. I yeah. can't say anything. And that's, that's it. Horrible. 
Okay. All right. Well, um, speaking of, I don't know what we're speaking of. Okay. So there was this uh, documentary film in 2010 called In the Beginning There Was Light. And the movie talks a lot about a uh, Swiss chemistry doctor, Dr. Michael Werner, and an 83-year-old Vanna. Indian... Pardon? Vanna. Sorry. Swiss. Whatever. Vanna. Uh, an 83-year-old Indian yogi, uh, Prahalad Jani. I apologize for that pronunciation in advance. Have a picnic basket? <laughs> Just never mind. And the point of this documentary was that apparently both these people were able to divide, derive sustenance from spiritual means rather than having to eat or drink water. And they called this breath, breatharianism. Bre- bre- breatharianism. Yeah. Breatharianism. So they said they could, they could survive on the sunlight. Well, unfortunately, um. We're not plants? No. Um. <laughs> Apparently, an unnamed woman in Switzerland saw this movie and thought it was a really keen idea. <laughs> Think of all the money she could save. She was also in, <laughs> um, influenced by an Australian book by uh, about Ellen Grieve, um, and, and basically decided that she was going to do this. Uh, she was not going to eat or drink anything for a week, and then spit out her saliva, so she didn't even drink that. And she... <laughs> Continued on and was found dead of starvation. Wow. That's amazing. Now, I, I think um, Penn and Teller did a bit on, on them, on uh, Bull's hit. And, uh, oh, wait, I can say that. Bullshit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I think they found that the, the person, that you, the lady that you mentioned who wrote the book. Was cheating. Was, <laughs> yeah, whenever she, she would get invited to all these functions. <laughs> And she'd, like, have the hors d'oeuvres and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't believe everything you read, apparently. Yeah. Well, speaking of having read something, Gary read something else this week. I did. I actually posted this on the on the Facebook and on the blog, but I still find it hilarious. Um, OneSailAday.com. Uh, and I don't know why I go on to this site, because I never buy anything from them. But it's always interesting to see what they're trying to push off on people. Uh, today's deal, and it's going to be gone in about 30 minutes, but I have archived it, uh, is Pro Patch 200 Titanium Patches plus free with purchase a 10 megapixel Fuji HD 3D video camera or Westinghouse 26 inch LCD HD TV. Now the Pro Patch is a patch, like, it's like, it's like a, uh, a power band. Except it's a titanium patch. It says, take your game experience to the next level with these Pro Patch 200 titanium patches. Worn by Amare Studemeyer and many of the other world's best athletes. Pro Patch with titanium is a tropical, uh, topical titanium patch created by a team of athletes and scientists to help improve your performance on and off the courts. <laughs> Apparently, the second most interesting man in the world uh, posted that uh, Amar A is constantly hurt and still cannot play defense. So uh, it appears that these titanium bracelets don't really work. But I find it hilarious that these are so bad, uh, Mulligan, that these are so bad that they can't, and, and that the LCD and the 3D camera are so bad that they can't just sell them on their own, but that the Pro Patch is the selling point on this particular deal. <laughs> Uh, it just, it just cracks me up. It's like, get an LCD TV 
and get the Pro Patch. No, it's get the Pro Patch. Oh, we'll throw in a free LCD TV. And it turns out that the LCD TV and the Fuji thing uh, are as expensive as the deal. So you're, really, you're getting the Pro Patch thrown in. It's just <laughs> hilariously stupid. And maybe they meant to do that. So this is just a topical patch that has titanium in it somehow. It, it, and it's made by scientists. It, that's all it really says. It, it, it improves performance <laughs> like the like the placebo band. And it's it, it doesn't really say, but it can be worn for up to 10 hours. <laughs> and it's sweat and water resistant. So can a t-shirt. <laughs> it's, it's perfect for any sport, exercise, work, or travel. So can a t-shirt. <sighs> anyway, but I it, hope it's you're amusing. wearing a shirt to work. But this has the word pro in it. <laughs> so, another pro at this podcasting business. Donna, what do you have to say? Um, researchers at the University paid? of California, Riverside, have launched a new project. They are using facial recognition technology, thanks to an initial grant of $25,000 from the National Endowment for the Humanities, to study um, facial recognition in art. Basically, what they are looking at is they are taking works of the old masters and trying to figure out who the people are in them because oftentimes the families would end up selling the paintings because they ran on hard times and trying to really look at the economic and social impact of art throughout the ages. It's really kind of neat. Kind of art meets science sort of thing. That's really Art science or SART. Right. Well, the other thing that they're having to contend with is that the technology reads human faces, but it has to contend with facial expressions, facial hair, angle of poses, lighting, and everything else. So there's a lot of impressionists. Exactly. Plus, they're also working on going from 3D to 3D to 3D to 2D, which might present some other issues. So they've got engineers on it, art, art historians, art science, a whole nine yards. It's really kind of an incredible project. Looking forward to hearing more about this. Sweet. Done. Bing. Bing. Wow. Donna got done early on both her topics this week. She wins the lightning round. Wow. <laughs> okay, I'm ready for my lightning round topic, and you're all excited. You're all excited as if you were watching a porn site. Yay. So apparently, the semantic corporation that does your semantic antivirus kind of thing, um, they've started um, compiling reports on what are the biggest Internet security threats out there. And um, they pro- provided an infographic um, on um, webpronews.com is where I found this, where they list the top ten um, categories of the worst Problems for malware or uh, invasion of privacy and all that. Malware. You know, things like the worst was blogs (laughs) and web communications. Then there's personal hosted sites. Then business economy sites, shopping, education reference, technology, and down and down and down as you go. What they found, in addition to just these general categories, is it seemed that porn sites were safer to go to malware and virus-wise and all that. (laughs) Malware. Malware. Oh yes, because as opposed to buy it at those large enclosed shops. Ma- the, the malware. Gotta, gotta wear my shoes. <laughs> dedicated to faith and religions. So I think this maybe had more to do with that the porn. The porn sites are professionally run. They're a business, 
and they're really trying to make sure that their customers don't get viruses from them, but that the religious people are just running a blog and, you know, it doesn't really matter to them and they don't have the technical expertise to say, I need to make sure that my parishioners don't they can get pray viruses. go to oldnavy.com as opposed to... They can, they can pray away the virus. So I guess the irony yeah, of this away. is that <laughs> apparently the Trojan? religious people are not talking about safer sex practices on the internet either, that they're giving everybody viruses through there. Although speaking about porn, there was an interesting uh, porn video that was uh, recovered by, I think, the Germans uh, having to do with Al-Qaeda. <laughs> and and uh, so, so they, they picked up a guy, interrogated some guy who I guess was on the watch list or was suspicious, and they found that uh, when they searched him that he had some like SD and uh, memory cards in his underwear. Uh, that must have been uncomfortable. Yeah, and on, are and on those bulky. SD cards and they found uh, a porn video and apparently some software, some encryption software, uh, and so they they had to hack into this encryption so- software that was hiding another file. So they you know they, they did that, and it turned out that the porn video that was, uh, or I guess one of the porn videos, uh, one, one, one was called Kick Ass, and one was like Lady Layla or something like that. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but uh, the porn video had embedded in it all of these uh, Al Qaeda documents about uh, future attacks and what the future of Al-Qaeda. And so this guy apparently was a courier for, for the group. I, I guess it could also have been, you know, misinformation, but whatever. Maybe. But but they it'll just like contact, only with porn. <laughs> I was going to say, what were they showing? Ankle? No, no, I don't know. That, I mean, it's, I mean, it's Muslim, so that is kind of the porn region. You know, it starts with the ankle, and, you know, that's just a gateway to the knee. <laughs> it is, but I, I think... I think I don't think they would have mentioned it as porn uh, if it wasn't actually porn. CNN, huh? Yeah, but where was it on the kind of Skinamax to? It doesn't. Okay, the CNN article doesn't necessarily mention the quality of the porn, as that was not the primary focus. Well, that's just a <laughs> fa- <laughs> that, that is, is a, a failure of journalism not to focus on the actual porn itself. I'm going to say that is a primary focus of our listeners. <laughs> okay, uh, so, so we, apparently you can embed secret messages into porn, other than porn, and other than <laughs> join the navy. Right. Now the question is, could you embed? Documents into porn and then embed that porn into like a video of a waterfall. <laughs> That's going really far down the rabbit hole. No. <laughs> yeah, that was an accidental icky <laughs> comment, wasn't it? No. But you can buy rabbit holes at Academy.com. <laughs> I don't know if you can or not. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, you know, there is the 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 rabbit vibrator that is apparently very popular. So. Yes. Just saying. You can get your rabbit assorted. I've, I've heard uh, many, many, many cheerful facts about the... Not quite as rabbit. popular as the Hitachi magic wand, though. <laughs> Hitachi makes a magic wand? It's, a, it's, it's marketed <laughs> as a personal massager, but it apparently is the ultimate female masturbator. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Huh? Donna? <laughs> Emily, your task this week. When's your birthday again, Donna? Um, I am so not telling you. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, uh, on that note, uh, thank you, uh, Jordan and Emily, for coming in and speaking yes. with us. And yeah. We enjoyed and it. Commiserating. And, and <laughs> we, uh, you know, like I said, please keep us updated on any events happening with Ariel and let us know so that we can pass that information on to all of our listeners. Yes, indeed. Uh, anybody else have anything? I guess I'd thank you two guys. Uh, guess thanks. Thank you. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> like, totally. I don't want your thanks. <laughs> you look so wow. gross. <laughs> wow. I lived in LA for eight years. Come on. I was going to say, look, I understand that, that you've got the whole bear look going. <laughs> I didn't live in West Hollywood. But, I lived in Los Angeles. But Valley the, guy? <laughs> I lived in the San Fernando Valley, the porn capital of the world. And the Valley Girl capital of the world. I lived right by the shirt, the, the, the thing, Galleria thing. Oh, hence the malware. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good Thanks night. for joining. Talk to Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to the Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Now, we have on the board... There's been, a, there's been a lot of things coming out in the news about studies about religion. Religion and, 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 and braining and and stuff. Which one were you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Ow. Um. Well, I was spouting that um, uh, thinking undermines religious belief, but that doesn't make any sense. I think it was critical thinking undermines religious belief. Analytic thinking promotes what? What? Religious disbelief. Oh. How obtuse is that? You just got new glasses and you can't read this? I can absolutely read that. This is the name of the paper that's in science. And, of course, all names of papers have to be obtuse and really kind of... I guess so, yeah. They can't be... Right, so analytic thinking promotes promotes religious religious disbelief. disbelief. I think they were hoping that that'll get get up on the newsreader and people will see analytic thinking promotes religious. And so people will go and read it. Or promotes belief, not worrying about the dis, because we atheists dis religion. <laughs> yeah, but see, oh, a newsreader so wouldn't not, necessarily change no the title of it like that. Huh? You have no street cred whatsoever, so just stop. Yeah, whitey. <laughs> No, because I walk on the sidewalk like White you're supposed nerdy. to. nerdy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Oh, uh, so why don't you tell us about this this interesting study, which uh, I believe we posted on the Facebook blog. Uh, Facebook blog. Uh, <laughs> wow. We posted on Facebook and on the blog is really yes. shocking. Yes. Um, so it's going to be published in the... Polished? Published, 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 published. Are you giving me choices? <laughs> yes. <laughs> published! <laughs> I 
I give you angry. Hulk. Never mind. Crank <laughs> smash. Hulk read. <laughs> I believe it's going to be published in the. <laughs> in the longitudinal issue. Mormon oh, Tabernacle Choir dare. News. Oh, I will dare. dare. I will go there. Alright, let me look for it. Let me look for it. Hulk read! Hulk can't speak! <laughs> Hulk only do one thing at a time. <laughs> hey, we were very serious for Jordan. Greg Peruse! To- <laughs> <laughs> no, pronounced the rhyme. Just go ahead. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Greg Speed Read! <laughs> Greg Forget News Article! Greg Unhappy! <laughs> Get away! <laughs> Can you breathe? Do we need to call 911? She's got a case of the giggles. It's just funny when people will talk like that. <laughs> Greg, what do you got? <laughs> I don't know anymore. Okay, so there's been a lot of stuff about uh, critical thinking. Oh, we already got there. Okay. In this... <laughs> do I give you too much time of a, of a gap? Is that what it is? Yes. I can't collect my thoughts. Well, Nerd, collect thoughts! <laughs> Here, one... Oh, this one nice too. This one look pretty and that's the other thought. <laughs> and this, ladies and gentlemen, is why we recorded into eleven o'clock at night. For a one hour show. Yeah. That is always an hour and twenty minutes.